Good morning, my friends. Good morning. My name's Brett. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Um, we have a mountain, a mountain to climb this morning. The mountain is the meaning of life. <laughs> let's, just go, let's just go for it this morning, right? Anyone, anyone ever cool, like quietly wondered about the meaning of life? You don't as a kid, but like the older you get, you recognize the sheer bizarreness of us all being here, and you're all just like, what is this all about? The meaning of it all. That is the mountain before us this morning. Whether we, and whether we recognize it or not, um, this, uh, climbing this mountain, getting to the top of it somehow, um, is profoundly practical. It doesn't, I, I know it may feel like it's an idea that we're exploring today, but it's profoundly practical because once we are grasped by the meaning of life, we can stop wasting our lives. We can stop wasting our, our lives on ways of living that aren't really life. Does anyone in here want to waste their life? Like, it's such a, like, no, like hardwired into us, all of us is like, there's something, like, it's important that I don't flit this away, that I actually do something important that lines up with something bigger and deeper and more profound and, um, than me. Um, and so I hope, can we all agree that this is, whether or not we actually do it this morning, um, that this is a mountain worth getting to the top of, right? The, the meaning of life. Um, I don't want to I don't want to oversell what we're going to be doing this morning. We will be, like, ascending this mountain our entire lives. Um, but at a bare minimum, we can find the right mountain to be going up, right? Um, who in the room likes getting out and, like, hiking? In the I know, so, yeah, 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 we, you live in the right state. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, when you're preparing to hike or climb here in Manitou or in Colorado Springs or up the entire Front Range... Um, you know what one of the first things you do is? Of course you do. You guys hike. You guys climb. Well, what you do is you head west. You don't head east. Which way? I'm terrible with this. East. See, Danae, Danae's got me. Joy, if Joy was here, she could. She, you head west. You don't head. You head west. You, I know. See, I've already forgotten. You, you don't head east. That's the wrong direction. I promise if you're interested in hiking or climbing and you head that way, you're going to be profoundly disappointed. Like, Kansas be that direction. Uh, dragons be there. Um, I just, anyway. Um, it's a modest first step. It's a modest first step heading west. But the mountain you're looking for is that way. <laughs> uh, heading the right direction is, the modest, is a modest first step, but it's an essential first step. Um, that's something like what we're doing this morning. Um, we're just like looking west. We're just like finding the mountain. We'll be climbing this mountain. We'll be trying to like ascend this mountain our entire lives, but at bare minimum, we want to climb the right mountain, right? <laughs> not, not wasting our lives in Kansas. I'm sorry, whoever, I'm sorry. That was brutal. That was brutal. I'm so, I genuinely am. Like, I will regret that the rest of the day. <laughs> you guys, if, if you know me, you know that's true. Um, and so um, that is, um, 
That's, that's what the morning's about, the mountain. The mountain. It should all feel pretty obvious, but um, you got to hop the fence, you got to use the compass, you got to head west, you got to find the people you're climbing with, you know, your climbing buddies, you got to watch out for the wolves, you got to clean the muck off your shoes, and then you got to start going up. You got to start ascending. And lo and behold, that's exactly what we're going we're gonna to do each of those things this morning. If you're listening, if you're listening at all um, right now, um, and you're interested, well, you've already done the first part. You, we, we, we've hopped the fence. We, we want to go. We want to go towards the meaning of life. We want to go to the mountain of life's meaning. And now we need a compass, right? We need, we need something to orient us and help us head west. And that's exactly what we're going to do right now as we open the ancient texts that have been handed down to us through the church that point us towards Jesus. The scriptures the Holy Scriptures calibrated towards Jesus. They, they point us west, they, um, towards the mountain, the meaning of life. And so um, this morning we are continuing, obviously, in our series on uh, Philippians, a Complete Joy. We're in Philippians 3 this morning, and I'm actually reading, um, this is a very tricky passage, like on translating. If you, um, if you compared notes with the people around you, if you cheat and look at a different translation, um, you're going to see that like some of the translations vary wildly. Um, and so, um, to I could spend the entire time like talking about translation things, but that's not very interesting. Um, and so, what I've done is I've I'm actually going to be reading, and up on the screen will be um, this is the world's one of the world's leading New Testament scholars has got a translation called the Kingdom New Testament. Um, his name is N. T. Wright. And I'm just going to be reading from that. And so you can kind of make notes or circle whatever you think is interesting in your Bibles. Um, and, but that's, that's the translation that I'm reading from. Uh, so Philippians 3, without further ado. Philippians 3, starting in verse 1. So then, my dear family, it comes down to this. Celebrate in the Lord. Many of you will say rejoice in the Lord. It's, it's no trouble for me to write the same things to you, and it's safe for you. This will help keep you safe. So watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the bad works people. Watch out for the incision party, that is, the mutilators. We are the circumcision, you see. We who worship God by the Spirit and boast in King Jesus and refuse to trust in the flesh. Mind you, I've got good reason to trust in the flesh. If anyone else thinks they have reason to trust in the flesh, I've got more. Circumcised? On the eighth day. Race? Israelite. Tribe? Benjamin. Descent? Hebrew through and through. Torah observance? A Pharisee. Zealous? I persecuted the church. Observe official status under the law? Blameless. Does that sound as though my account was well in credit? Well, maybe. But whatever I had written in on the profit side, I calculate it instead as a loss because of the Messiah. Yes, I know that's weird, but there's more. I calculate everything as a loss because knowing King Jesus as my Lord is worth far more than everything else put together. In fact, because of the Messiah, I've suffered the loss of everything, and I now calculate it as trash, so that my prophet may be the Messiah, 
and that I may be discovered in him not having my own covenant status defined by Torah, but the status which comes through the Messiah's faithfulness, the covenant status from God, which is given to faith. This means knowing him, knowing the Power of his resurrection and knowing the partnership of his sufferings. It means sharing the form and pattern of his death so that somehow I may arrive at the final resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Um, and so, living Jesus, come and speak right now. We are not interested in a sermon, <laughs> frankly. We're interested in, um, in that. We're interested in knowing you, sharing in your power, participating in your sufferings, and somehow reaching the resurrection of the dead. We want you to save us. And so, spirit move in this place right now. We open ourselves up to you. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. So, yeah, we're continuing in our series, uh, Complete Joy, and we're walking through this ancient letter that we just read. The, the, um, it's an uh, ancient letter to the followers of Jesus in the city of Philippi. And in reading this letter, we have found our climbing buddies. We found our climbing buddies. We've hopped the fence. We're interested in doing it. We've got... We've, we're oriented the right direction, following Jesus. We're heading west, and now we found our climbing buddies. These Philippians, they're interested in it too. And the author who wrote this letter, this ancient letter, he's interested. All of them are profoundly interested in the meaning of life, just like us. They're the ones we're going to be journeying with. In fact, all of them, the author, the original hearers of this letter, they are all standing in a, um, in a long tradition of rather prestigious mountain climbers. It's a, like, a, a, you know, the explorer society, you know, those adventurers that get together in front of a big fireplace with tusks and stuff, and they're like, oh, we like adventuring. That's the kind of, like, group, long, prestigious group that these people are in. There has been generation after generation of hikers and climbers and people around this mountain who have gathered around, oh, the meaning of life. This prestigious um, group, of course, is the ancient people of God. The ancient people of God called the Israelites. Um, we hear about, we hear Paul talking about them here uh, in the text in uh, verses four through six. Um, he was born, it says, he was born into the right group. He was born into this society, this ancient people of God, chosen by God to help bless the world. He's as an elite member of this group as, is, as there can possibly be. He was born into the right tribe. He was circumcised on the right day when he was a baby. You guys know what circumcision is, right? We have, yeah, nobody's nodding their heads. Do I need to? Yes, please don't explain it to me, Brett. <laughs> um, he's been circumcised on the, on the right day, on the eighth day when he was a baby. He's been following all of the rules since before he even had a choice about it. And now, when he's a grown-up, he has had a life, a grown-up life of 
that's passionate about preserving the reputation and calling of this group of people, this society of mountaineers. Zealous is the word he uses in verse 6. He's been passionate. He's been zealous about protecting the long legacy of explorers who have camped around the meaning of life. He would even use violence. He, he, he used violence as part of his story. He used violence to protect this mountain and this group of mountaineers. I mean, good grief, this mountain is the meaning of life. It's worth protecting, right? Right? Like, it's a really big, and that's what Paul was doing. Um, Paul had heard that the earliest followers of some guy named Jesus, some crucified guy named Jesus, make the absurd claim that this crucified Jesus was actually the meaning of why the group, why this society had existed in the first place. They're making this bizarre claim, and he says, no, 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 that, this is a threat to the entire thing. This is a threat to our entire way of life. This is, you guys are totally missing it. Um, and so um, Paul went so far as to use violence. He mentions it in, at the end of verse um, or in the beginning of verse 6, to protect this group, <laughs> the meaning of life, this society. Um, this society of uh, mountain climbers had, cons- had begun considering themselves to be a rather elite group. I mean, the tusks by the fireplace tell it all, don't they? You guys know what I'm talking about, the Explorers Club, early 1920s? They're like Mount Everest, you guys know. Um, they, they had begun considering themselves like that, a rather elite group the Israelites had. We are the most holy society of mountaineers. In a word, they considered themselves dikaios. Dikaios is the Greek word. Um, It's the word that we typically translate as, uh, most of your translations have it um, in there, righteous. Righteous. They're dikaios. They're righteous. And I know that sounds boring. What a boring church word. Um, But it's anything from it. Dikaios means that they are upright that they are whole, that they are complete in a world that's fractured and broken. These are the complete ones. They are the people of justice before justice was a trendy sort of thing. (laughs) They're, They're certainly not perfect. I mean, they've been given sacrifices and such to take care of their sins and assure them that they're forgiven. But they, dikaios means that they are part of God's family and they are trying to faithfully live with him. They're thanking him for rescuing them from slavery. They're trusting that he forgives them, and they're looking to to God, their, their God, to save the world. And Paul, this elite group of people, Paul is not only like part of this society, he is like the cream of the crop. He's like as good as it gets. He's the guy who like brought in the tusks and like Paula, like that he is the guy. He, he says at the end of verse six, he says, as far as this entire system went, he was a memptos, blameless. Like I'm as, like I, I was doing it. I was winning. He is the elite of the elite. He is the privileged of the privileged. He is the winner of the winners in the most prestigious society of mountaineers camped at the base of the meaning of life. And yet, 
In what we just read today, as he pens this letter from prison, Paul admits that none of his winning had moved him out of the foothills. None of his winning, none of his achievement, none of what he could do had ever, like, gotten him up the mountain. <laughs> In fact, this, this is the secret. None of them have. None of them have. This prestigious group of mountaineers have never been to the top of the mountain. They're certainly the society that has been shown this mountain. They're, they're the right direction. They're circled around the base of it, but none of them have ever climbed the mountain. And so we today, with our compass, we have hopped the fence, we've headed west, and we found our climbing buddies, but the best of all of them in Paul, who has written to us today, he's come out from the base camp to tell us, well, going up this mountain, climbing it, it's going to be unlike anything that anyone has ever expected. And he says, verse 1, he says, um, he says, it's really important that you listen to me. I don't mind telling you it all again, is what he says in verse 1. I don't mind telling you all again. It's helpful. It's safe for you. But I need to tell you that this, it's very surprising how you get to the top of this mountain. In fact, there's a whole lot of people, what he says in verse 2, he says, there's a whole lot of people who will lead you the wrong way. Dogs. Verse 2 is what he calls them. You guys notice that? Yeah, they, we found the wolves. We found the wolves. We've got to avoid the wolves. Dogs is what the many within this, within this tradition, this society of prestigious winners have actually become predatory wolves. That's what they've actually become. And he's saying, watch out for these people who will lead you the wrong way. These people who, watch out for the dogs, watch out for the wolves, because they are the people of this ancient society who insist that anybody, any one of us who comes to the meaning of life, any one of us who wants to climb the mountain must do it the way that things have always be, have been done. Even though they've never climbed the mountain themselves, they've never gotten to the top, they've never gotten out of the foothills, they are claiming you've got to stay within our tradition, is what they're saying. Um, Paul, actually, he singles out in verse 3, he singles out one particular practice. We've already named it. I'm not going to explain it to you in graphic detail. A circumcision is the one practice that he, um, that he hones in on as an example of how these wolves are attacking people. So Paul is writing to his Philippian friends, to his non-Jewish friends, to his Gentile friends, and he's saying that there are some people who will come in and they will insist on ancient practices like Jewish circumcision. They're going to insist on it. You have to do it this way. If you ever want to get to the meaning of life, climb the mountain, you must do things like circumcision. And Paul's warning is this. He says, I myself was circumcised on the eighth day as a sacred sign, you know, the sacred sign within these, the society of mountaineers. But it never helped me climb the mountain. And it's never helped any of them either. The meaning of life is not found in all of the ways that we, that they, try to make themselves winners. Paul, he does an interesting wordplay right here in verse 2. Uh, the, the, um, the, 
the Greek word for circumcision is um, peritome. Peritome, it doesn't matter what it means, it's graphic. Um, many people will try to get you to do peritome. They'll uh, try to get you to have, um, to, to practice these ancient things that have never taken them up the, mount, the mountain. But a life of circumcision, he says, um, a life of peritome, it's actually catatome, is what he says. Peritome, no, 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 it's catatome. And it means mutilation. It's not, um, it's not just a snip-snip. It's like an entire, like, like a, a, mutilate, a mutilating. These outward things that you think you can do, that this prestigious society of mountaineers think that they can do, all of the ways that we try to achieve things for ourselves wind up mutilating us. <laughs> they wind up tearing us apart. Uh, Paul, he, make no mistake, he's really proud of being part of this society, the Jewish people, but he also um, recognizes in hindsight that had never been able to get him up the mountain for all of the ways, for all of his privileges, for all of the ways that he was the winner of winners. He had only ever been in the foothills, and he had never climbed the mountain. And so he warns us about that. He says... He says to the Philippians, don't even start down that road. Don't even start down, down that road of trying to win yourselves. The meaning of life, the good life. We all want that, don't we? We're all chasing it. The good life, the meaning of The truly human life is not found in all of the ways that we try to win that we try to make ourselves winners. He calls that, verse 4, he calls that trusting in the flesh. Trusting in our own externals, in our achievements, in our upbringing, in our nation, even in, especially maybe, in our own morality, in our own passion for God. You can't even trust in that, is what he's saying. Trusting how we are winners in our own externals and the things that we can see. It isn't just the temptation of first century Israel. It's actually the temptation of any century human. That's, it's the temptation. We, we love, it's our temptation, don't we? We trust it. the default way that all of us live is we have confidence in ourselves, right? Confidence in like, that's how we measure ourselves against how we're doing in life, how we're doing against other people out there. God help us, how we're doing against people in this room right now. We've done it this morning. <laughs> like, how am I doing? Compared to, and you start looking at other people and be like, well, I'm, I'm, at least I'm not that, or at least I'm not going through that. Or that go. Um, we, by default, have this instinct to look at what we do for a living or what we have achieved or what we look like, or what we weigh, or what we have, or what we can see. And we're obsessed with evaluating all of these externals to somehow convince ourselves that we're winning, that we're winners, that somehow, by some bizarre, strange measure, we're winning at life. Our, uh, we could say it this way, is all of what I'm trying to say. Our default way of living is us trying to make ourselves winners. 
That's our default way of living. It's the default way we live, not only in relationship with each other, but actually even in relationship with God. Just want to make sure that we're, I'm doing okay. Want to make sure. And so those of us who care anything, I'm not assuming everybody in the room does, um, but those of us who do care about God, we want to make sure that we do everything right, cross the T's, dot the I's, we read our Bibles, we pray before we eat, we go to church, we maybe serve the needy, give some money, we watch our language, we don't watch those kinds of movies or TV shows. Hear me out, those are not bad things, um, necessarily, um, but our default reason for doing them a lot of times is to make sure that we're winning, to make sure that we're okay, to make sure that we're doing all right, that we're winning with God. When we say it out loud, it, it's, it's crazy, isn't it, that we could win with God? How absurd. That's our default reason for doing things a lot of times, and then we wonder why all of our religious activity is actually frequently making us feel very far from the meaning of life. We wonder why we're exhausted. We're doing it all. We, we got to keep up. We got to make sure that we're winning, that we're doing okay. We wonder why we're, why we're frustrated, don't we? <laughs> like we're just frustrated. We're, we're keeping all of these plates spinning, whether it's before other people and making sure that we're winning with them or keeping all of the religious plates spinning so that we're winning with God. But we're frustrated because we know how many of the plates are actually falling, like when the curtain closes. We wonder a lot of times why we feel so insecure before God. Because deep down, we believe that God loves winners, is what we believe deep down. And Paul looks at all of this, represented in a single society, in a single practice of what they're doing, circumcision. And he says, our terribly twisted instinct to justify ourselves, to justify our own existence, to make sure that we're winning, he calls it all scubalon. I don't know if I can say that in church, actually. Um, he calls it, right, translates it trash. Some of your translations translate it. How did they translate it? Dung, uh, sewer trash, what, what else? Garbage, crap is the actual, that's actually probably maybe one of the, scubalon, it's not a great word. All of our instincts to try to win, he calls it, I consider it all scubalon. And it's not a great word, it has a range of meanings, but they're all gross. It's like the dregs at the bottom of a crock pot. You know, the like bits. The, it's the residue of food inside of a garbage disposal. It's like the, you've gone to Red Lobster or some seafood place, and it's the bits of shell of the lobster that are left over. It's the grape that you were eating that was kind of gross, and so you spit it out on your plate. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not joking. These are actually like when you survey the ancient texts uh, in the Greek world, these are the ways scubalons used, lobster. Bits of food, uh, grape being spit out. Very commonly, very commonly in the ancient literature, scubalon is what you step in if dog owners haven't picked up after the dog. It's the muck that you wipe off of your shoe. 
And that's what Paul calls every one of our attempts to win, our our attempts to impress others, our attempts to impress God. He spends verses 4 through 6 building up every privilege that he had in life. And then he does this like dramatic pivot in verses 7 and 8. And now he sees all of his assets as liabilities. Verses 7 and 8, if it were TurboTax, it would be that giant... I had this happen a couple of years ago. It's this giant green number of a refund. And then you click one box and suddenly... drains and drops below zero, and it's this giant red number that's negative. That's what happens in verses 7 and 8. His gains are now losses. His profits are poop. (laughs) That's what happens. That's what happens. All because, all because he met Jesus. All because he's seen Jesus. He understands something of the meaning of life now, and he says, If we're going to climb that mountain, if we want the meaning of life, we're going to have to wipe all of this muck off of our shoes. Watch out for the wolves and wipe the muck off your shoes. And hear me, the muck is not our desire to sin here in this passage. The muck is our need to win. Salvation means rescue from our need to win as much as our desire to sin. To be sure, we need to be rescued from our sins and our brokenness and our rebellion. But you know what God has a lot harder time rescuing us from? Our own damnable self-dependency. When God came among us as Jesus, his hardest words were not for those of us who were obviously broken by sin, tax collectors, prostitutes. In the Gospels, do you know who Jesus' hardest words were for over and over again? Well, it's not the people who are losing. It's not you doubting God's existence. It's not you doubting God's goodness. Those aren't hard words from God. It's not you angry with other people in your life. It's not you wanting everybody else's life. It's not you regretting that decision that you can't take back. It's not you crying in your pillow. It's not you struggling with your sexual orientation or with alcohol or you addicted to porn. It's not you cheating. It's not you cursing. It's not you cutting. Jesus' hardest words are for when we're dressed up in our Sunday best pretending that we are winners. I mean, how many problems in the world, how many problems in our own life are actually because we desperately refuse to lose? We refuse to lose. We, we have to win. We refuse to apologize. We won't ask for help. We don't want to look weak. But when God The meaning of life himself, the mountain himself came to us. He wanted all of us to stop 
propping ourselves up, pretending we're okay, and trying to be winners. He wanted us to stop trying to justify ourselves. We become, this is what Paul's getting at in Philippians, we become part of this group. We become dikaios, righteous, part of God's family, right with God, forgiven, not by trying harder, not by climbing even, not by somehow winning. It's not even on the basis of God's ancient promises in Torah, is what Paul says here. Somehow, and you can put this slide up, this is the good news. Oh, hear it and believe it this morning. We are already right with God because of Jesus. We're invited to trust that. That's what Paul's getting at here. You, I can say it this morning with boldness, you are right with God because of Jesus. You are invited to believe the gospel. That's what you're invited to. And that's why Paul calls the rest of it scubala. Scubalon, I've got to get rid of it all of my life. I count as muck and wrappings and dregs and garbage and crap. That muck on my shoes that I, I just got to wipe it off. It's not me on my worst day. The muck is me on my best day. The muck is me thinking I'm winning. It's my obsession with having to win. Paul is not repenting. We can say it this way. Paul is not repenting of his sin right here. Paul is repenting of his strengths right here. He's walking away from all of his wins because that, he says, that is how we start going up the mountain. That's how you ascend. We, you can put the slide up, we are all secret losers. We're all secret losers, and here's the secret. God loves losers. God loves losers. You are loved right now in your anger, ashamed of your sexuality, doubting God in your anger. You are loved. You, in all of your losing, you are loved. God will never not love you. God will never not love you. And so there's a mountain before us the rest of our lives. We've hopped the fence. We've used the compass. We've headed west. We found our climbing buddies. We were surprised to discover that the most prestigious of these guys, the, from the people of Israel, never, they never climbed the mountain. Israel has sat long and long and languishing at the foot of this mountain, and they've never been able to get out of the foothills. Even their instruction, the Torah, had never, they'd never been able to obey it fully, follow God faithfully. The meaning of life was too steep, too difficult to navigate. It's too much for any of us. But Paul, from the base camp, walks out to us. He's the most prestigious of these people, and he walks up and he says, I've got good news for you. You can stop pretending that this is going to bring you up the mountain. You can stop pretending to be a winner. You can stop pretending to be something you're not. We could say it this way. Joy is found in losing all the ways we try to win. 
and discovering that we are loved. We're already loved. Paul tells us, he says, watch out for the wolves. Wipe off your shoes that need to win, all of that muck that's weighing you down and secretly killing you. And then suddenly, before we know it, we're going up. We start ascending. It's, we have actually become one of these mountaineers. We have become Dikaios, righteous, but it's not because we're climbing. It's not because we're such great climbers. It's because the mountain wants us. The mountain wants us. The mountain is helping us. The mountain is giving to us. The mountain is loving us. God himself is above us, pulling us upward. God himself is within us, giving us energy for the next step. God himself is beside us. He's become flesh. He's become, the mountains become a climber, a fellow climber who is showing us the path. The meaning of life is the life of love shown to us in this God, Father above us, pulling spirit within us, energizing us, climber beside us in the sun, showing us the path. We don't have to justify ourselves. We can't. And we don't have to. God justifies your existence. God makes you right with him. And God gives us purpose in our life, the meaning of life. It'd be worthless if there wasn't purpose, what we could do when we walk out of here, right? God shows us how to live. And the meaning of life is actually the opposite of our default way of living a lot of times. It's the opposite of self centered winning. Our human obsession with winning only ends up mutilating us. Life is made for giving, not winning. Life is made for giving, not winning. How bizarre that you think it's something to win. That's the meaning of life, to give, to love. That's what the mountain is like. That's what we see God himself doing. God exhausts himself. He pours himself out for the sake of others, for the good of others, Uh, not thinking of himself. That Christians, of course, this is Philippians 2. We're just looking back at it again. But Christians point to the supreme example of this in the cross. That's where we see what God is like. God comes among us and says, this is the meaning of life, giving to others. Seeking the good of others, even our enemies, even when it hurts. Then Paul comes to us in verses 9 through 11, and he says, that's all I want to know. That's all I want to know. I get rid of every bit of this. I just want to know God who has become one of us as the Messiah. I want to know him, Jesus. He is the meaning of life. I want to become like him as Jesus emptied himself. Um, So of all of his privileges, so I also empty myself of all of my privileges so that I can give to others, so that I can love others. I want This life lived in me. I want it all, not just the highs, even the lows, not just the power of Christ in verse 10, but even 
even the pain of Christ, even the suffering of Christ. I want to stop being a winner so that I can start being a gift, is what Paul is modeling for us, because that's the moment that we're actually going up the mountain. The mountain itself is pulling us up. Chris already said it, and it's worth saying one more time. This is all what Philippians is saying. Growing out of Philippians 2, the good life is the giving life. It's not, the giving life is not the easy life. No life is easy. It's not the pain-free life. No life is pain-free. But the giving life is the good life. It is the meaning of life. Pouring ourselves out in love for others is the best possible kind of life because the life of giving is the life of God. It's the meaning of life. To know God, the great giving mountain, the great lover who always gives to you and always loves to you and to share in his life, to become like him. That is the mountain pulling us upward, raising us up. And one day, it's good news. One day, God won't just be raising us up some metaphorical mountain. One day, God's going to raise us from the dead, is what Paul says in verse 11. And that's good news. My friends, your life has meaning. Your life has purpose. You are loved. It's all good news. May you believe it. May you receive it. Jesus, we ask that you would help us trust the gospel. Help us trust that you're this good. Empty us of all our sin, of all the ways that we um, are self-obsessed and taking and make us like you. Make us lovers. Make us givers. We ask and we pray in the name that is above every name, the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let's prepare our hearts for communion.